G'day, this is Scott. And this is Marty. Welcome to this episode of Church Unchained. Hi there and welcome to Church Unchained. Today I'm joined by Craig Bailey from the Uniting Church College for Leadership and Theology in a special one-on-one chat. We're going to be exploring leadership. Can we learn lessons from beyond the church? Can we learn lessons from the life of Christ? What does leadership actually mean anyway? What are some of the opportunities and obstacles? Craig, it's great to have you with us. Let's dive right in. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, a bit about what you do? I'm the Director of Leadership at the Uniting College for Leadership and Theology, and that is also part of the Adelaide College of Divinity, and I'm an Associate Lecturer with Flinders University. My area is particularly theology and leadership. What's your sort of backstory in terms of the church? I came into it seven years ago. I'd been involved in the, the, as a minister in the church prior to that for 15 years. Okay. Uh, and that was a progression from children and youth ministry to associate ministry to senior pastor in a large uh, suburban church. Uh, prior to that, a consultative role with the Synod of South Australia and prior to that, a primary school teacher. Okay. But all through that period, um, I've exercised youth work. Seems like a well-worn, if you like, leadership pathway. You know, in a sense, if we think back over the church, that you know, you start off doing some youth stuff, and you kind of, you know, go. Is that is that how it's been for you? I mean, have you kind of cut your teeth in leadership through that sort of pathway? Yes, I, I mean, I, I came to faith in a very free um, community of Christians who were exercising, I would say, a truly charismatic understanding of leadership. And when I say charismatic, I don't mean supernatural. I don't mean charisma as in um, upfront kind of personality, but uh, a ministry that was based pretty much on what I now see as a a Pauline understanding of of the giftings. People sharing their giftings, coming together in community, one called to be this, one called to be that, and and sharing that. So that that became a blueprint for my understanding of leadership, which I think is very egalitarian. You know, I, I very much resist the pyramid style of, of leadership. Yep. Everyone has a gift. Everyone should be using it. Let's step back a minute. If we, I mean, today in our conversation, we're going to, going to talk a whole lot about leadership. What is leadership? There's pages and volumes and, yeah. you know, podcasts about leadership. Yes, yes, but yes. but how do, where do we start? Yeah, it was interesting because when I came into my current role seven years ago, uh, the... Um, standing committee, I think it was, asked me to define leadership. Okay. Um, and I started. Welcome aboard. Please yeah. define your job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That, and that was part of it. You know, um, so so give us a definition of leadership. And I, I gave up because mm. I don't think there is one definition. Mm. But I describe leadership, and, and it's the nearest thing I have to a definition. Leadership is born in the heart of a person who sees what is, sees what could be, and is consumed with the tension between those two things. I find that a really helpful description of leadership mm. and one that I've never seen fail with mm. any form of leadership that I can think of. Mm. So, sees what is, sees what could be mm. and is consumed with the tension between those two things. Yeah. That straight away makes me think about innovation and imagination, which mm. is also about, in some senses, what could be. I mean, there's a whole thing about imagination that's creating unreal imaginary worlds but yes. there's a, there's an element of imagination that's about the what could become what yes. actually could yes. become yes um, so in that sense that's a, that's a yeah. tool for for leadership yeah very much so i mean if we, i go with that definition yeah we, we tend to wrap that up into vision hmm. um 
but I think it's it's more than vision. It's it's the capacity to um, think outside the square, to go into what's sometimes called blue ocean, blue ocean space. Sometimes it's called white space, but it doesn't matter. It's it's, mm. it's freeing oneself from the constraints, whether that be in the church or organisation, and thinking abstract. And mm. as Steve Sample says in the Contrarian's Guide to Leadership, thinking free. Yeah, yeah. But why do you think leadership has become the thing, the topic of conversation? Not just in the church, but you know, if we think about it in Australia, politics and you know, business, all sorts of spheres. Leadership is the new black, if you like. It's you know, it's what we're all talking about. What, how have we got there, dear? I, I think, I think Scott, that it's it's born out of disillusionment. Okay. I, I think we've seen so much leadership that has been bad leadership. Barbara Kellerman has written a book about that. She's called it bad leadership. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it, it quite courageous writing it because. Um, which is, her argument is that leadership is not a neutral thing; it's a, it, it's a bad or, or, or good. Yeah, okay. um, we can't assume leadership is good um, or bad. So I think the disillusionment's born out of organisational leadership that we've seen go wrong. Um, you know, from Nixon and Watergate to uh, the failure of of many leaders within the church and um, in non-profit organisations in every sphere. So probably the search for a, a leadership, and I say leadership deliberately, not leader. Mm-hmm. I yep. think culturally, we, we haven't completely done with it, but the great man theory of leadership, the heroic leader, the charismatic, yeah. in that sense, leader, I think we've seen fail so often that we're mm-hmm. now starting to see the value of shared leadership, collaborative leadership. Yep. So the interest in leadership is the acknowledgement that we'll always need people to lead us the question is what form should it take and so we're getting mm. stuff written all over the place the yeah. anonymous leader the yeah. quiet leader the collaborative leadership and so on yeah, yeah. so some of those challenges that you, you know, talked about from a global sense that have resulted in um, you know the bad leadership kind of stuff dangerous question here in the cone of silence just you and I I mean is, <laughs> is, is this stuff true for the church as well you know is the interest in developing a, a leadership capacity within the church in some sense as a reaction to some experiences in the past that we've had? Is that fair to say or is that going too far? No, I don't think it's going too far. I think it's very real. I think that the, the disillusionment with leadership is, is, on a number of levels, is very real for people. Um, you know, people who are Christian or churchgoers whose um, primary critique comes from uh, people responding who've read much in the media about the failure of Christian leadership. Now, in a sense, that's mythological because the narrative of leadership in the church isn't one long narrative of failure. There have been wonderful leadership, wonderful leadership in the church, you know, from Wilberforce to um, Dr. Martin Luther King to, uh, you know, one could go on and on. Uh, and, to, and quiet leaders, leaders who every day, ministers who go about their work faithfully and honestly and with integrity. But nevertheless, um, the desire to make sure and ensure that we have good leadership, mm-hmm. leadership in, with integrity, and, and probably from a Christian point of view, leadership that really does model the leadership that we see in Christ. Let's talk about that for a minute. 
is Jesus the prototypical Christian leader? In the, in the sense of the modern conversation, the contemporary conversation about leadership, how does the life and the story and the kind of, you know, the expression of Jesus' life relate? Well, what, what's the, yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I want to predicate this by saying the, the Bible is not a leadership handbook. Yeah. And I would say even the Gospels are not leadership handbooks. And I think sometimes in our enthusiasm to mine the principles of the so-called biblical principles of leadership, we do turn yeah, okay. that way. We, yep. we, we run the danger of, or the risk of turning the Gospels into a manual. The, the, the Gospels are the story of the Messiah. The narrative is one, the, the one of, of um, redemption and salvation. However, in that, there, are, there, there is the sense that to be a good leader is to actually be truly human. Because, I mean, in one sense, everybody is a leader. Mm. I don't, I resist the elitism understanding of leader. So if everyone's a leader, then their best selves are going to be leading something in some way, shape or form. And if we're to be our best selves, Jesus is fully human and therefore exemplifies what it means to be truly human. Yeah, okay. So when he, and, and the act that perhaps he's most known for, is when he washes the disciples' feet yep. and exhibits there not just a, a you know there's a leadership principle, but exhibits there what it means to be truly human. Yeah. And to be truly human is to be truly leading yeah, okay. in one way, shape or form. Yeah. Obviously I'm interested in the Jesus stories, we all are. And I find fascinating, you know, some of Jesus' finest moments are so you know, he comes riding on a donkey. Kind of, you know, down the street, um, he's constantly getting into these arguments with with people in kind of leadership roles. Um, you know, con- has these disciples who just don't get it half the time. You know, at least as the way the story is written. Um, you know, and that so obviously contrasts with the, the great man theory of leadership. Yes. You know, for instance, that, yes. um, you know, and, and probably deliberately so. Yes. Um, in that sense. Yes, that's how I would read that. Yeah. What about leadership lessons for the church from beyond the church? You know, so we've talked a little bit about Jesus there, but you know, is it okay for me to have a kind of a whole rack of books on my shelf that come out of business kind of leadership schools or psychologists or education or yeah. non-profit or you know, how much can I take from that? Are we, yes. and how much do we need to say actually leading in the church is something quite different? Yeah. What a great question. I mean, there's two sides to this for me. One is the danger of uh, incorporating or seeking to transport willy-nilly models of corporate leadership. There is a danger in that. Um, there is a, um, a segment of corporate society that's interested in making money, yeah. and um, that's not our goal. So what you're saying is the best marketed, best-selling leadership book has not necessarily got all the answers that we need. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah th- That's so true. And we need the tools to be able to read those things. And, and the answer in short, is yes, I think we should read them. I think we should look at social science and and leadership as a social science. We should look at research. We should look at what the offerings are from authors who are interested in leadership and writing about it. So, yes, with a a kind of a a, a little scepticism, but not total rejection. Um, The interesting thing here, Scott, is that the more I see collectively of what has been written about leadership in the 
uh, non-church sectors, the more it reminds me that what is true is true. Yeah, okay. Um, and by that I mean there are more and more writers and researchers discovering that collaborative leadership works. And there's part of me that says, well, of course it works. <laughs> because that's the way we're created. Yeah. We're created as gregarious creatures who, um, and I mean theologically, my primary um, template, inspiration and source for leadership is the Trinity in okay. theology. Yeah. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And I see them as, as equal partners in a, um, a three-in-one Trinity. And that is what we seek to reflect in leadership. No one's better than another. Each has their function. And each um, seeks the best of um, life itself. You're listening to Church Unchained with Scott and Marty. Today I'm having a special one-on-one exploring leadership with Craig Bailey. Let's maybe see if we can ground our conversation a little bit in the you know the practical real world of kind of congregational life, <laughs> yes. for example. You yeah. have a whole bunch of experience there. Mm-hmm. You know, there are one or two things that you, in your own practice of leadership, have found to be particularly helpful uh, or, or kind of interesting or even provocative? Uh, I mean, I, I take vision, for example. Um, as a leader in a church, I, I felt a great need to articulate vision. Um, one of the big questions is where does that vision come from? Yeah. And the more I began to read both Christian uh, writing on leadership and other writing on leadership, more I began to understand that vision isn't the thing that is held by the leader and given specifically to the leader, but that the vision is grounded in the experience of life in that congregation. And that part of my role as a minister was to hear okay. the life and heart of a congregation, the people in it, listening to their prayers, listening to their wants, desires, dreams, and seeing vision come out of that. There's one example, yeah, which yeah. kind of turns a lot of thinking around vision on its head. Yeah. Particularly the idea that, you know, I come to the, as the minister to the church yes. and I've got the vision. With the answers. With the answers. Ready to yeah. turns it, So there's one example. Yeah. I think in terms of resourcing. Now, you, you get a, a writer such as Stephen Covey, who's, not, who's certainly got religious background, but not... A, wouldn't call himself a Christian in the, in the mainstream sense of that, but who compares the abundance mentality with the scarcity mentality. Yeah, okay. And I recognise as I read that that, that, that that as a leader in a church, I need to have the openness to the possibility of the resources rather than be constantly squeezing um, and, and operating with a scarcity kind of mentality. Uh, there's one leader of a, a mining company I heard say you know there's always a way yeah. and I used that phrase in congregational ministry someone has an idea the last thing they need to hear is no chance because yes. we can't afford it yeah, yeah. now we may not be able to afford it but what he or she needs to hear is that we'll find a way if this is really matters we'll find a way so that scarcity abundance dichotomy to really start to think in terms of abundance as you look around the church, as you know, mm-hmm. you're you're involved in your own local church kind of setting. Yes. What, what do you think are the big challenges for us right now? I think I think the biggest challenge is change, um, and I think the challenge for a leader is to work out how to effectively move people from 
this place to this place. And, and it's not that uh, I'm thinking of churches that drastically need change. I think leadership is fundamentally about change. Born in the heart of the person who sees what is, sees what could be. And they will always see what is and see what could be. So I think the biggest challenge is actually the processes of change. How does one engage with a group of people, a congregation or even an organisation and travel with them and journey with them towards being either a bit different or a lot different? So highly transformational or incrementally different and and how to do that. And I mean, you know, John Cotter, um, Leading Change. Um, switch. Didn't, didn't he write a, the same book was about a flock of penguins, wasn't it? My iceberg is melting. Yes, iceberg he did. is melting. Yes, he did. That's, That's John right. Cotter yes, as well. Yeah, 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 Fantastic yeah. little parable, really good it fun. Is, uh, but explores is. that same, his same yeah. kind of model of change management. Yeah, I, I mean, he's considered the guru of change management. And, and some of his... Um, suggestions for example you know if you're leading change form a coalition mm. don't do it yourself yeah, okay. find other people who can support you in that but not only support you give you perspectives that you need because you can never totally depend on your own yeah I mean there would be those who would say you know we ought not to be talking so much about leadership in the church mm-hmm. that you know we Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yeah. You know, we don't. We know what we need to do. You know, we're part of this kind of bigger vision or mission. We should be just focusing on discipleship, spiritual practices. Yeah. You know, is there a kind of a response to that yeah. critique? I mean, I haven't yeah. expressed it all that well, no. but but you know what I mean. Oh, no, no, I know what you mean. Uh, and I mean, uh, as someone who's got the title leadership mm. in a college that has the title leadership, I'm yeah. aware of some of those who would say, "Well, why do we need to be focusing on leadership at all?" Um, I think when I dig down to those people, I want to hear what they've got to say, often they're deconstructing an understanding of leadership that is unhelpful. Okay. And I'm right with them on that. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are forms of leadership that need to be deconstructed. The other side to that is that we need to reconstruct. And we need to reconstruct our understanding of leadership because there were, we, we all know, always need leaders. Mm. Life itself... Is, has leadership initiative. Um, uh, so, um, you know, and I mean, I think of parables. Um, I love the parable of the four friends, or the story of the four friends mm. in Mark chapter 2, who lower the, their mate down through the roof yeah, because yeah. he's ill now. Yeah. And I look at that and I think there was someone who took initiative. Yeah. A bunch of people could have all been looking at each other and saying, well, we don't need any leadership. But someone said, look, let's do it. Yeah. Now that's leadership. Yeah. yeah. Um, I find in my courses that people come in and say, I'm not a leader. I had one, um, a lady, probably in her 60s, who's a hospital chaplain. And her first words to me, I need to tell you right up front, I am not a leader. By the time she'd actually gone through the course, she came and said, I understand now that I am a leader. Mm. And I'm a leader with others in a leadership environment. It reminds me of a of a quote from a, uh, an orchestra conductor, a guy called Benjamin Zander, who yeah. talks about, um, his job, in a sense, as leading that orchestra is is to awaken possibility in other people. I mean, that, that must be so rewarding to kind of work with a, a lady like that um, and see within her, to see her start to kind of believe in, yeah. you know, what maybe what God's gifted her with or, yeah, or that, what she's that, been called Scott, to. Scott, that's why I do what I do. Yeah. There's, there's nothing more satisfying for me than seeing someone awaken to the possibilities within themselves. Mm. 
last week I was in Jakarta talking to um, a bunch of school teachers about leadership. Mm. And I realized, only probably halfway through, that most of them didn't see themselves as leaders, they saw themselves as teachers. Mm. At the end of our time together, they were recognizing that teaching is a leadership role. Yeah, yeah. And that gives me That's powerful. encouragement. Yeah. So if I'm so if I'm in a local church, I'm in a you know a role like a uh, Sunday school teacher, you know a youth group part of a team that runs a youth group. I you know help with a men's or a ladies ministry, but I but I resist this word leadership. Yeah. To someone like that, what's what are the first steps, or you know what's the first thing I should think about in developing my own capacity? I go back to my def- definition: hmm. leadership's born in the heart of a person who sees what is sees what could be and is, is consumed with the tension between those two things, that can apply to a Sunday school teacher. People who are teaching Sunday school are teaching Sunday school because they believe in those children, yeah. that, they, that they can move to a place of being closer to God or growing in Christ yeah. or growing in faith or whatever. So to help them see themselves as leader, I point to the broad definition of leadership. Uh, to which I find most people say, yes, that's me. Yeah, okay. That's why I teach school. Yeah. That's why I teach Sunday school. That's why I run a women's ministry. Um, they see that what is. So they might see women who may be disconnected, um, struggling with parenting, and they'd love to do something that would see them grow in confidence and encouragement. So they do women's ministry. Yeah. Now, that is leadership. And what do I do if I'm that person? How do I go about developing my skills? Like, where do I start? Is it books? Is it, you know, is it, do I go to college? Do I, do I have to sign up for a Bachelor of Theology? <laughs> I mean, what, you know, give me yeah, a couple yeah, of yeah. kind of practical. Well, I, I think um, there are books and uh, there are many books on leadership. And, and, and most books have something to say. Um, I mean, you can go to a Christian bookshop and find things on leadership. They're not, they're not going to be deep research oriented books, um, but. They're going to say something helpful um, about leadership. Um, I think there are, well, I know there are courses in leadership um, at, at, at our colleges, and I, I would encourage people to do them. There's nothing better to me. I mean, a book's a book, mm. and that'll give you ideas. Mm. But sitting with a group of people who are the, from a variety of backgrounds, but who are thinking in terms of leadership and swapping ideas and talking about the issues that come up, you know, what happens when someone criticises you, what happens, where can you get resources. Um, um, I find when I work with a group of people like that in leadership, there's something wonderful that happens. Mm -hmm. People start, you know, iron sharpens iron and and people start to encourage one another and the resources, like in our our group at the moment, we, we... my ears are open to hear about resources that people are pointing me towards. Yeah. Craig, uh, thank you so much for joining us today here on the very comfy couch yeah. uh, at uh, Church Unchained. <laughs> uh, we'll chat with you again sometime uh, down the track, I reckon. But thanks for hanging out with us today. Pleasure, Scott. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Church Unchained. We want to invite you to join the conversation with us. Why not join us on Twitter at UCAQLD or use the hashtag Church Unchained. How else can people join in, Marty? You can also jump onto the UnitingChurch.Queensland Facebook page and join the conversations there. And again, if you have any dangerous or innovative ideas that you want to share with us, 
email us at communications at ucaqld.com.au. And join us next time at Church Unchained.